When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oh What A Night, brought to you as part of the 19 Men Network. Um, today I'm joined by Jude Summerfield, Colin Walsh, and Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard. Uh, sorry we've been away for a while. We uh, we told you that the Chelsea loss was going to take the wind out of ourselves, so I hope you enjoyed it uh, prior to Sunday. Um, Sean, what did, what did you make of the game on Sunday, mate? Uh, when you were talking there about we knew it was going to take the wind out of our sails, I was just thinking of, um, you know, the bootleg of the Wrexham guy where he's like, uh, you just knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that was very much my feelings regarding everything that happened at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. Yeah, it was all fairly predictable, wasn't it? It was actually fairly carbon copy of the the game there a couple of weeks before, wasn't it, dude? Yeah, you, you um, yeah, it's just ex- ex- exactly the same. As we watch uh, Spurs Chelsea games nowadays, it's like they get into um, a position of strength, and then Spurs can't really muster anything to hit them back with, and it's two 0 and it's game over, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> it's quite a dreary watch for the most part. Dan, were you there? Did you have the the, the joy of going? I was there. Yeah, I had the privilege and honour to be there. <laughs> It, it, was, it was weird because it was like I was off for the Leicester game I was on holiday and I watched that at home and then I came back to work on the Sunday for the Chelsea game and I read a few previews and they were just a lot more kind of optimistic rightly so and yeah, I, I kind of went into the Chelsea game feeling a lot more optimistic thinking yeah you know it's going to be different this time and then it wasn't and you're just like well hold on why should a last gasp win over Leicester have kind of narrowed the gap between this <laughs> nothing? It was exactly the same as like six days before or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think we all just uh, got very excited by Stephen Bergwin's heroics and, and suddenly thought we were a lot closer to Chelsea um, after doing absolutely no surgery on the squad. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing Matt Doherty at right wing, that didn't that didn't give you any sort of. <laughs> Early indication. Well, at least that's that might not where he plays. True, true. Okay, so today. Oh no! Um, hold on. Sorry, he was he was well, actually at right wing, wasn't he? I forgot. He, he was. He was right wing, yeah. right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that didn't fill me with. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so today's sort of show, we're going to go through the Chelsea game. We'll sort of chat about our standard good, bad, ugly. Uh, sort of discuss the the goings on there, and then we'll we'll. Uh, going to 
the uh, transfer window, last few days of the transfer window, and Spurs Twitter has gone into full meltdown. Um, so it'll be fun to go over that, and um, and then just discussing uh, the, the sort of winter break and what we see coming up in, in the next couple of weeks and the games that Spurs have in the near future. All right, so starting with the Chelsea game. Um, Jude, I'll let you pick. What's your, what's your, what's your good, mate? What, what did you think was good again about Chelsea? I don't expect this, this part to be particularly long. Um, <laughs> uh... A damning indictment, I think yeah, we can say. We had the ball it? in the back of the net once, didn't we? Which yeah. we're yet to count. But, you know, one day maybe we might get a goal against Chelsea. I saw they put some tweet out or, or some Chelsea account put out something like our uh, four games played um uh <laughs> eight goals scored none conceded and stuff like that so um yeah that was I, I can't really think of anything good to be honest mate it's it's we're, we're clutching a little bit I think Larice made a few good saves and he managed to stop ZH scoring a carbon copy of the goal that he scored to open the scoring but it was all pretty, all pretty turgid, I have to say. <laughs> I'll just remind you, that was the good section, all right? So, <laughs> that was the things that were good from the game. Sean, have you, got anything, podcast, so. have you got anything? Yeah, true. Have you got anything more positive to, to say? I'm, uh, no, I'm not going to force you to say. Yeah, go on. I do slightly have some, some good things. And I think it's that Eric Dyer is back from injury. So yes, he, he has one game under his belt. He can now go into this break. He's had a little bit of match fitness. He can rest again. And that should serve as good for the second half of the season. But yeah, we're really stretching with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to... It feels like it was a really long time ago, but it was only four days ago. I think I've just sort of blocked out my mind, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I, I just... I, I can't remember us really being in the game. I can't really remember us. It, it only felt like we really came into the game when Chelsea allowed us to. Would you say that's right, Dan? Yeah, I think the most dispiriting sort of feature of all three games really was just the fact that Chelsea were able to kind of hold the Spurs rallies, the sort of late rallies, so comfortably at arm's length. It just really felt like in every game, once they'd scored one or, or you know, in, in two cases, two, um, they, they were just so happy to, to let Spurs try and have a go. And it never really felt like um they were in much danger and you know Conte tried to be a bit more upbeat about the third game he, you know he certainly struck a more positive note and said he was kind of proud mm. of the players and and they had a go and it was a better performance but you know it still felt to me like even that kind of slightly more adventurous second half or last half an hour was all just Chelsea kind of um well, yeah, it was it was the last half an hour really wasn't it after their two goals it was it was all just Chelsea kind of holding Spurs off very, very comfortably. Um, I, I would just echo what Sean said. I thought Dyer had a solid game, and, and I think you know from what I hear, he's you know really Conte's guy, and um, you know Conte's relying on him a lot, and, and kind of sees him as a, a leader and a bit of a general, and you know someone who he can almost with Lloris be a kind of bridge to the the younger players in the squad. So I think having him back and hopefully Romero soon will make a big difference. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, and this is probably through sort of tinted glasses that I thought I think the first half Spurs did 
pretty well. I think they they sort of took Conte's uh, plan to to hold Chelsea off, and and had that Kane goal not been disallowed, you'd say that they're they're going, you know, they're creating the one chance and they're taking the one chance that that, that was clearly the game plan when you start with the team that you did. Um, I'd also like to throw Steven Bergwijn in there as having a fairly decent game. Again, I thought his general hold-up play was pretty good. He managed to carry the ball, which which I think Spurs have had a lot of trouble sort of playing out recently. So he carried the ball a, a long way. He had quite a lot of carries in the game, which I know Conte mentioned recently that he didn't see um, he didn't see Sonny as playing in a two up top, but he did see Steven Bergwijn as put potentially in a two up top. And now you can sort of see why, because he's very good at collecting the ball and moving around defenders. He's incredibly quick and he's a good dribbler. Uh, and I think that's probably where the, the positives come to an end for uh, for us there. So let's move swiftly on to the, the bad. Um, uh, Sean, do you just want to start with the second half in general? I think, yeah, I guess um, it's quite a really... It wasn't like a horrendous in terms of just like collapsing 10 minutes to start the second half. I mean, because there's not really much we can do about ZH putting it in the very, very, very top corner. But the, and I thought we were quite unlucky to concede the free kick that led to the second goal. But I think the thing that I wanted to point out was um, so Davinson Sanchez is marking Thiago Silva, and it's uh, fairly head height. And Davinson Sanchez has gone and tried to meet it with his foot. And that allows it just it just means that he's not gonna reach the ball. He needs to be muscling with Thiago Silva to try and put him off or something. It's just mm-hmm. you know, like because I think since Conte's come in, I think it feels like every player who's played a good amount of minutes under him has impressed one way or another. And you've kind of seen like the very best of them. You're like, oh, that's why he's around. And sometimes we get we kind of get carried away that the squad is fine as it is. It doesn't need loads and loads of surgery to it. And I think this is the kind of thing that happens where Sanchez, who has been good since Conte's been here, still not enough to kind of bridge the gap. And I I think the only saving grace from that is we're not competing with Chelsea this season. So, yeah, it's just really annoying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Dan, when you saw that um, that team selection and that formation, did you th- did what was your gut feeling? Right, this is a defensive formation, or did you feel like this is Conte trying to make a make a point here? Yeah, I think the the kind of making a point bit of Conte's decision making was not selecting Ndombele, Lo Celso, and Delhi, and the point obviously being I don't trust these guys; they don't have a long term future here. So this is what I'd be left with you know, if you don't replace them effectively. So I, I think that was the, the making the point. But I, I think beyond that, I, I don't think he was kind of making much of a point. I think he had players who couldn't start, like Skip and Lucas. Uh, and he said before the game, he had to kind of adapt the formation to suit the players he had, which I think kind of rung true when, when you looked at, you know, the, the fit options. And I don't think Skip and Lucas um, were fit when they came on. Um so, yeah, it's it just another example that if Spurs lose a, a few players and kind of all three Chelsea games, particularly the first and last, were, were just great examples of this. If Spurs lose a couple, uh, just their chance to compete against a team like Chelsea is just 
massively, massively reduced. And I think actually with, with Conte's strongest lineup now, you know, I think it would you know it'd still give them a you know much better game. But it's just mm. you, you take out those those two or three players and, and suddenly they're they're weak links um you know in the side and I think you're only as strong as, as your weakest link really and not to pick on Tanganga but you know, he's beaten again for the for the first Chelsea goal kind of far too easily and you know it's what the, the sort of third game in a row where he's or fourth game in a row even where he's made a mistake for a goal um so yeah to to kind of follow up on Sean's point about Sanchez I think sort of that's part of the problem really Conte's got to play these players who are you know, either out of form or just not quite at the required level. Mm. Yes, uh, I was going to stick Tango and Broom myself. I, th- I thought it just got run all day. And, and bear in mind, Hudson Odoi, fairly fresh, coming in, probably one of the hardest wingers in the league to to defend against because he's so direct. I, I just felt like he really, really struggled with him. And, and to be honest, with Alonso, Alonso likes to sort of get up and support that winger. Um, I just, yeah, I just thought it was a game that that that, that goal should never be building from the wing is what I was thinking as it, as it happened. As it came inside, I was like, there's so many opportunities to stop that. And then the failure to stop Ziyech as he sort of, I mean, like we've all watched Ziyech enough to know what he wants to do and no Spurs player read, read that sort of opportunity quickly enough. Um, Jude, anything you wanted to add in the bad before we move on? Um... I think we've got through a fair amount. I mean, it, it was ugly just watching um, their midfield play, play around ours again, um, but that's not particularly anything new. You sort of know that Chelsea know how they like to play in midfield. They zip it about and they they got through Tottenham's sort of attempted press pretty easily. Um, that was a bit disheartening, wasn't it? Just sort of seeing Spurs players go to the ball and then Chelsea would sort of drift one side or drift to the other and just knock it around and get up the pitch very, very easily. Um, so, yeah, it probably just only further highlighted the the difference between the two teams at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, you know, Tottenham season's not going to be defined by a trip to, to Stamford Bridge, which is, um, you know, I mean, nobody likes going there and losing, of course. Not the least Spurs fans. But we do. We've we, we <laughs> we won there once in 32 it. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, Okay, so let's move on to the ugly then. Um, and I think we're, we're going to have to talk about the disallowed Kane goal because this is, can either go in the beautiful or the ugly, um, depending on who you support. And because we all support Spurs, it's going directly in the ugly. Um, Sean, when you saw it, did you, did you have sort of one of those head, head loss, games gone moments, as I definitely did? Yeah, usually I'm not. Like that, I think I've said in this pod before. Like I'm generally not so angry about like ref or VAR decision anymore. Cause I just realise the whole system's incompetent and no one's got a clue anymore. But for this, it was just like, come on, we need, we, we it's like it was more like that we needed this. It was like just give us a break. We need you need a bit you need a bit of luck. You've you've won what um once in this fixture in 32 years. You need some luck on your side to get it over the line. And it was just like. You saw it happen and you're just like, okay, so luck's not in today. So I guess that's it there. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think the annoying thing I got reading was, and you know, Dale Johnson from ESPN, who does like all the, the ref and VAR decisions, he goes through them all. And I think yeah. the annoying thing was he was, I think he said like, I don't think this is a foul, but 
I understand why the referee gave it. I understand why VAR wouldn't look at it. And I understand if it was allowed, why VAR would overturn it. And it's just like... (sighs) Therein is why the rules are broken though, right? Yeah, Yeah. because everything there... In the past, it was all... Everything was in in favour of the attacker and you wanted to see Mm. goals and, and, you know, those marginal decisions went in favour of the uh, attacker. And that's all just been completely wiped because everything everything goes down to these tiny, tiny sort of minuscule touches and decisions and everything's in slow motion. And, um, and this is exactly why players like Kane do try and initiate contact and dive a lot. This is 100%, why. 100%. 100%. I think that was one of the biggest gripes within Spurs' sort of fan base was, well, look, if the roles were reversed and, and, and Thiago Silva touches Harry Kane in the back there and he goes down, not only is he 99% not getting a penalty, but he's also getting pelters from every single... <laughs> Fan yeah. in the country, yeah, exactly. Who loved, who loved jumping on that? They loved, they absolutely loved jumping on that. I have to say, when it, when it happened in real time, I didn't even know what they called it up for. I'd assumed he'd been offside, so someone was offside in the in the move. Was that the same for you, Jude? Or did you did you see it? Um, I did. What did you like celebrate properly then? Or I celebrated. Yeah, yeah, properly, I, yeah. Celebrated. I celebrated. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I I didn't really see anything wrong with it, but. I think we've all been beaten down so badly by these sort of decisions <laughs> over the last few years that you sort of get an inkling that something might be wrong. <laughs> and then it turned out something was quite massively wrong. Um, and you, at, at the time, I was sort of like, I was just texting my mates being like, um, well, that was a bit soft, wasn't it? And they were all going like, yeah, I'd be fuming if that went against us. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Clocked into Spurs Twitter and they're not particularly happy about it either. You know, apparently the refs taking bribes and all that. <laughs> Dan, um, in this in this in the stadium, did you did you know what was going on? Did you see what while it was going on? No, did you have any idea? Yeah. No, I think Bergwijn went went down injured in the build-up, yeah, and I yeah. thought the ref had kind of inexplicably called it back for foul or for that. So. I, I hadn't even registered that there'd been a push there. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was something completely different. Um, and yeah, just just to kind of echo what everyone else has said, really. Obviously, if that's the other way around, it's never a penalty. You know, there were some people saying, "Oh, I can understand." You know, I think that was a foul. I know why that was given, but it just there was no way that the force Kane exerted on his back would cause Silver to sort of fly forward like that. It was obviously a, a massive piece of theatrics. And it's frustrating, but, you know, it's, I guess you could say it's an example of Jagger Silva taking a risk, but being quite smart, um, you know, using his, all his experience to, to con the ref. Um, and, you know, once the ref had given it and, and it was obvious there was a hand on Kane's back, it was never going to be overturned. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, frustrating, but then, you know, it, it goes back to the kind of the, the Galini debate doesn't it like if you don't play him he doesn't make that mistake would anything have, have been any different um <laughs> and i'm you know obviously it would have been different as Spurs took the lead but yeah. you know i don't doubt that chelsea would have had a few gears to go up um had spurs gone ahead and you know it still could have very likely ended up with a pretty similar result mm. yes uh, i think Especially considering who Chelsea had sitting on the bench and available to them, I, th- I think they could have definitely turned it up in the second half. Sean, anything else you'd like to add into the ugly, apart from our terrible record at Stamford Bridge? 
I think just the way that we just feel quite kind of blase about it. You get beat three times by Chelsea in a month by X goals to nil, fourth time this season. Like uh, the last um, league goal, I think, was that Sonny one at Wembley when he ran half the length of the pitch. I think, apart from uh, there's no goal actually in 1920, but I'm not counting that. But it's just like <laughs> so long, just this club that we all hate. Not just for Spurs, really, just for human reasons. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> there is no good in the world. <laughs> right, okay. Let's move on to the beautiful then, because I'm sure this will be nice, nice and short. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm racking my brain. I'm not lying. To you. I'm racking my brain. <laughs> we don't have to play Chelsea anymore this season. <laughs> yeah, but don't sit, speak too soon, because if they get through the FA Cup... We might have to bring in the FA Cup at some point. I'll probably point towards um, the fact that Spurs, as Dan mentioned earlier, have Romero coming back, which is a huge, huge, huge boost. Obviously not not, not for this game. Dyer coming back in and looking settled again, again, is a huge, huge boost. And then at the same time, um, Son Son and Co having having time off and hopefully coming back from their injuries. I think, as you said, Sean, we can just sort of put Chelsea behind us now. As Jude mentioned, this game was never going to really define Spurs' season. It rarely does. Uh, and we can just concentrate on, on trying, trying to get top four. Uh, would, would you agree that's probably the, the, the best thing to come out of it, Dan? Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And just to add to that, kind of one game a week now, aside from from FA Cup games. So, sorry, and you know, and one competition rather aside from the FA Cup. So, yeah, I think there's there's reasons to be positive. That was a kind of grim little run against Chelsea that, that we <laughs> knew was coming. And, um, you know, I'm not sure whether not playing Arsenal was a kind of reprieve or, or a disappointment in the end, but I think everyone was sort of looking at that run of games from the start of the year and all and before and just thinking, oh no. Uh, and now that's out of the way and and kind of the the, the good players are coming back. Um, and I do think, you know, that there's a lot to be optimistic about in a Romero Dyer and, and Davis back three. I think it's pretty solid. Um, and, and you'd like to think that Spurs will kind of stop conceding stupid set piece goals and and just look a little little more um yeah, solid and, and have more of a platform to, to kind of grind out some some big wins. Okay, look, there, there's not many beautiful things, so we're not going to hang around on the beautiful phrases. Um, <laughs> and I know that that, that um, Spurs uh, Spurs Twitter has officially gone into meltdown today, which is Thursday, the 27th of January. Um, so we're going to move on to transfer news. And there has been a fair amount of transfer talk for Spurs in the last sort of week and a half. Um, the news is today, supposedly, that the Dharma Traore deal has um, has sort of disappeared for Spurs and that Barcelona have entered the picture to um, to, to sort of bring him in on loan and then with a, with a plan to buy him in the summer. Sean, do you feel like there's a certain irony here? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> put it in our running order that... Um, you know, we spent 25 mil to get Emerson Real from Barca. He's not really that good in this system. He's the complete weak link when we've got a full-strength team in this system. Um, so we were trying to sign Adama to fill that gap. 
and now Barcelona going ahead and using the Emerson money to sign on Dharma anyway. So that's great. That's really great. Dan, do you have any idea what actually happened here? Was it, you know, three days ago, everything was supposedly rosy? Yeah, well, I think, um, I don't have a lot of detail, but I think the move, in hindsight, started breaking down long before today. Um, so the noises kind of weren't positive at, at the start of this week, really. Um, but it was kind of quite hard to, to pin down whether it was just Spurs kind of waiting out um, until the last day. I mean, that's what I thought would happen. Um, you know, I thought it was just might go down to the wire and Spurs would see kind of how desperate Wolves got or whether it was something a bit more serious. And now, obviously, with hindsight, we, we know that, you know, the, the, the deal was kind of probably already off a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... the the line that the Athletic had was that Abdama didn't want to play at right wing back, which I'm sure is is true, but I don't think that would be the whole reason because um, I'm sure that would have been established kind of pretty early. Um, I suspect um, that Spurs maybe are more optimistic about doing the Diaz deal. And so it went a bit cold on Adama, first of all. And secondly, I think just from pure economics, it sounds like Barcelona are kind of potentially offering to pay Wolves more than Spurs were. Um, Spurs were kind of looking at a deal uh, initially on loan and then kind of spread out worth about 20 million. And I think Barca, according to Athletic, again, have said they might pay 30 million in the summer. So, you know, from a pure economic perspective, you can see why Wolves would prefer that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a really weird one, isn't it? I mean, I was kind of quite excited about Adama because I think just it would just have been really interesting and, and a kind of new... Well, you brought into the idea of the chaos. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. totally brought into the idea of the chaos. And I think it would have been like another sort of fan culture war and it just would have been really intriguing <laughs> to see what would have happened, whether it would actually have kind of been amazing or or just kind of really disappointing. Um, but it was always a bit weird that like supposedly Paratici and, and a kind of network of scouts wasn't able to find an actual right wing back and, and was kind of finding this this kind of soups up forward that Conte was going to have to adapt to play that. I always thought that, you know, struck me as a little bit strange. Um, and now I guess, you know, they've, they've got a few days to, you know, presumably move on Doherty and, and, you know, go out and find an actual right wing back um, or another forward who, who, you know, wants to be converted. Um, is so, he yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, um, Sofian Amrabat will be our new right wing back. No. So, so, do, 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 you, do you have any sort of previous knowledge of Sofian Amrabat? Because there's been a, there's a real, been a real sort of outpouring of dislike at, at the idea of him coming into the club. But I, mm-hmm. I in our office, I speak to Tommy Milanese, Spurs ex-Spurs video editor. And he says when he was when he used to watch in Serie A for Verona and then at Fiorentina before uh, obviously before he got injured, mm-hmm. he was a very very good player, sort of a, a Brozovic style holding player who can who can play a lot of ball. But yeah, so Tuesday I actually had the day off, so I didn't do too much sort of scouting around, and I assumed it was for Norden Amrabat the story, <laughs> checking it properly and. Um, I didn't, I didn't post anything online, but I just thought this is very classic Spurs. Why are they going for a 34-year-old Watford flop? <laughs> um, it was, of course, his brother, Sofian. Um, but yeah, um, Jack Gallagher on our, on our team really, really rates him or rates him mm. well enough. Um, 
I looked at his at his stats from this season. He's obviously not played that much. Um, hasn't started many games and uh, seems to like a yellow card. And I'm not sure how different he is to the likes of Wink, Skip and Hoybia. I think they they sort of play similar roles. He's not a particularly creative lad going forward, but um, he did play a lot last season and he played a lot at Hellas Verona. And certain reports have, have said that, you know, he's one that Conte's pushing for. So in in that regard, if if the manager is you know pointing at someone and saying they want him, then they've got to go out and help out. But yeah, I don't know too much. It's it was very much the Danny Rose Google meme um, when I saw the name come up. <laughs> Can't lie. Yeah, I think I think I think a lot of people were the same. To be honest, although although people would would, would never tell you that. No, everyone's oh, no, just straight on the everyone's on the YouTube. Everyone knows this. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone watches Fiorentina last year, every game. <laughs> um, so do we think this is just Paratici sort of sticking to the, the league he knows? Or do you think, as you said, this is a Conte sort of, this is a Conte want? Is that the noise is, Jude? Well, that, that's why I've seen from a, a few reports and I, I don't know if I'm getting them mixed up with shoddy Twitter ITKs, but... Um, <laughs> It it's hard to tell the difference it. these days. It is, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, from, from what um, our transfer gurus told us, it's like a loan with a an option in the future to buy. But, um, but yeah, not not too sure otherwise. Okay, cool. Well, look, let's let's move on to the big one then, the one that sort of has got got people very excited, which is um, Luis Diaz, the Porto winger. Um, Dan, have you got any sort of updates on this one? Do you have any news on on how how this one's progressing? Not really. Um, I think the noises today were were kind of more optimistic than um, uh, than <clears throat> perhaps uh, the day before. So what what are we now? I'm losing track. We're now Thursday. Thursday. It almost seemed like this one was 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 going to kind of burst into life on Wednesday afternoon and then die immediately with reports from Portugal of, uh, of kind of bids being rejected and, and Porto not wanting to sell and him not wanting to come. But I think, I, I think as it stands and everything's changing quickly that there is kind of optimism this deal could be done. And as I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it, it, it not to kind of do PR work for Tottenham, which I'm wary of, but <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out that, you know, part of the reason that they were less keen to, to keep pushing with Adama as, as the price tag seemingly went up and the competition increased was because there was you know, a bit more optimism or excitement about, about Diaz. Um, so I don't know, I don't know much more than that, really. It's um, the kind of word from the club. Well, there's not much word from the club, but, you know, they're, they're kind of saying they, they haven't bid for him yet. And it's, you know, just, it's just kind of talks ongoing. Um, mm. But, you know, it, that, that kind of thing is always, sort of hard to put your finger on and it's there's always yeah. a bit of smoke and mirrors um it sort of feels like we've been here before um no yeah <laughs> that's not I like mean, us I think, I think the kind of more, almost more interesting question already is kind of where, where's he being brought to play i mean yes what, i'm thinking is he going to be the right wing back he's kind of winger he can play on either side so I, I guess Lucas would, would be in trouble and it would be the 
the, the three four three again. Um, Lucas a right wing back. I mean, I don't hate it. Should have been shuffling it. I don't hate it. Look, if we're going to just turn fast people into wingbacks, just do it, Lucas. <laughs> I hate it a lot less than Emerson Royale. At <laughs> True. Which is worrying. Which is worrying. So um, uh, yeah, Sean, can you, do you know much about Luis Diaz? Have you, have you seen him? Have you watched him? Um, in the rare occasions that I've been able to watch Porto in the Champions League, he's always been like the best player on for them. Yeah, I know last season he scored... Um, a really good goal against Mad City. He took the ball on the halfway line and just ran at them and put it in the far corner. It was a really good goal. Ooh, yeah, um, does, ha- does have a really good goal and assist record in Portugal. My, the red flag for me is that he's 25 and still in Portugal. You know, that was always like, oh. if he was that good, why is he still there? But it does sound like a lot of top clubs have been looking at him before. I think in August, Everton were close to signing him. And that kind of just fell oh, apart the last minute. The word the word was that if he was going to go to Everton, he would go in and probably be their best player immediately. So right. But and yeah. I'm always I think I think you said about Adama, like if this if it if it is a matter of we have the finances for one but not both, then I'm fine with prioritizing getting more goals in the team because okay. I like right. I, I, I don't know. I know that we all hate watching Emerson Royale try and cross the ball and play right wing back, but I do think if you if you just have the amount of good attacking talent and creative talent that's in the final third, then I think you can kind of overlook right wing back for the rest of the season. Okay, so you're you're in team. This is a good signing, then, right? But spending the budget on another attacker rather than right wing back. Yeah, I think okay. I think I. I I do like Lucas and Bergwijn, but I, I would like another kind of different level talent that would be that. Yeah. I think that he did would have the potential to probably do that. Sure, yeah. Look, I, I love Lucas and Bergwijn as much as the next man, but there's not exactly goals and goals coming out of the two of them, is there? Um, okay, so let's let's move on to the sort of the outgoings then, because um, it does look like a few might be on the move. Um, Bele potentially to PSG. He, he seems keen on a return to Poch's arms and to League One. League One, oh, sorry, English did. Um, and then the, the other two who supposedly are, are on the move or could be on the move are Delhi and Giovanni Lo Celso, who put out an Instagram post after the Chelsea game to just let everyone know that he was fit, which was a nice, uh, nice touch, wasn't it, Sean? <laughs> uh, was it you, Hunter, who, suggest- who said that when I think asked the goal report the severity, was it you that said we should do a swap deal for Lamella? Bring him home, bring him <laughs> home. get him back, bring him home. It's been too long. Uh, and um, Unombele to PSG, Dan, is this is this one a goer? Do you think? Do you see this one happen? Yeah, I think it is a goer. Um, I think everyone kind of wants it to happen. Um, so Ndombele definitely does, Spurs definitely do. I think Poch. Uh, likes the idea. Um, Mbappe apparently very keen on it to happen, and PSG obviously want to keep him sweet. From mm. what I hear, the kind of big problem is that PSG already have like kind of 30, 32 players in their first team squad. They can obviously only name 25 men in the Champions League, so they kind of desperately scrabbling to get rid of people. Um, and I think uh, I heard they've definitely they definitely offered Paredes to Spurs. Um, there have been various reports saying that they've offered other people um, as well, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I don't think Spurs are kind of keen on any of them. Um, 
So it's a bit of a problem at the moment. I suspect that might, one might go down to the wire. Um, yeah, and to, you know, we just have to wait and see if, if PSG either just decide to stack their squad with another you know, big earning player, whether they can shift them or whether something else comes up. But um, you know, from what I hear, you know, he's not at all interested in Everton or um, I don't know. Arsenal or uh, Valencia or anyone like that who, who are you know who, who are also been linked. He wants to go to PSG, um, and I think probably that would uh, that would probably stew everyone and, and be the, the kind of best possible deal Spurs could do. I, I'd imagine. Mm, no one doing yes. any pressing of that team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're building the yeah, get rid of Drissa uh, Gay, get rid of all those runners, just bring in purely skills. Uh, it's quite interesting watching Nabello go to a club, like, especially after you know, the disappointment that we've all had around him going to a club that he thinks he's as good at. I just find that quite interesting still. Um, it, it would be very interesting to see if Poch kind of could really get a tune out of him because then yeah. I think, you know, it, it, you'd be, you know, well within your rights to, to kind of uh, revise history a bit and say, you know, what if Poch has stayed at Spurs? Yeah. Um, I've never liked when people said that he, like, four managers came in and, just didn't rate him. I don't think that's true at all. I think Poch liked him. He was just injured. And by the end of Mourinho's reign, he was one of Mourinho's most trusted players. So yeah. I think there's already mm-hmm. a start. Mourinho, for that, there's, there's a Poch, clip Poch that goes. never played people new signings immediately, did he? Mm. No, he didn't. He actually yeah. said, he actually said, it's going to take two years for this guy to to bed into the Premier League. I don't, do you remember that? Yeah, really? I don't yeah, something, a, something like He did say that it's going to take more than one summer for him to get up to speed. Yeah. Which, you know, Watching his stuff. Do you what are you going to say there, mate? Well, there was just a clip of Mourinho talking about Ndombele, where he was like, um, he'd be France's number one central midfielder if he just put all all the effort he had into into playing, which is you know a very Mourinho thing to say. But yeah, um, I don't think it was a problem with managers not rating him. It's just that certain things haven't fallen into place, and maybe he's not quite applied himself properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be interested. I think it's in Spurs' interest as well for him to go and do really well in, in Paris, isn't it? Boost that transfer. Mm. <laughs> they try and get some of it again. back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've got to recoup some of it. Uh, speaking of recouping some of it back, uh, Giovanni Roselso, another player who supposedly wants out of the pro- of the project. Um, Sean, have you heard much about this one? Not lately. Um, mm. I think, and I think the the thing with and Dombele, Deli, La Celso, I think it would be one, very hard to shift all of them before the end of the window and two, I don't think Spurs can necessarily deal with all three of them going. I think you probably need to keep one of them because I think we're just looking a bit light in terms of midfielders who could play more advanced roles. Um, I'm not sure who the, I think Ndombele will go and I think it's now you know, can La Celso find a move? Can Deli find a move? I'm sure they both will have suitors, it's just a matter of getting the deal done. But I don't want to see all of them go as much as they've all frustrated me. Which one would you keep, Sean? I'd keep Delhi just because I keep hanging on to his performance in the Liverpool game last month. <laughs> just I haven't used that system with him again. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, uh, I feel bad I feel bad for him, like, in terms of, because he gets played up front and on the right wing, it's just obviously not where he's meant to play. Mm. And the news is that Delhi has been offered to, or certain clubs are interested to Delhi, but None of met his expectations, right, Jude? Is that is that right? Am I right in that? I think um, I I might be wrong, but I think the independent listed about five or six clubs 
that were supposedly interested in him. I saw Brighton were one of them. And I think like six months with Potter. Yeah, like I'd be down for that. Yeah, playing in, in a yeah. vibes uh vibes formation, him playing off Trossard and Morpe. I'd be down for that. Um, <laughs> I think that'd be great fun. Him up front with Danny Welbeck as well. Um yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully he just gets a move and he can just crash it somewhere else, a new environment where he can um, just assert himself a little a little more and maybe just learn a bit more um, about himself elsewhere because mm. it feels like it's got a bit stagnant. He's peaked. There you go. That's what Dan said. Um, no, sorry, I said that was deep. Jude's oh, saying. I thought you said he's peaked. <laughs> <laughs> very, okay. very philosophical guy. Bertrand Russell, okay, well, niche for these people. <laughs> Sorry, Hunter. <laughs> well, look, I, th- I think that's plenty of transfer chat because essentially you can talk about it all day, but it doesn't matter. By Tuesday, we'll all know what, what will have happened. I think one thing we just like to stress is to not let the transfer window get you so bloody angry because really you can't do anything about it. Right, just don't delete. As a, as our podding friends have uh, have said, just delete Twitter until Tuesday. There's nothing you can do about it. Hopefully, we get a couple of signings in, uh, and just remember that we've got Son Romero back as of as of uh, the Brighton game. Right? Am I right in that? Yeah. Roundabout. Should then, be. Anyway. Roundabout. Yeah. So try and stay positive. And what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll do a, another pod on Tuesday or Wednesday next week to to sort of round up what Spurs did and didn't do, which uh, which might be more more of the case. So thanks for listening. Make sure to uh, to give us a review if you haven't, and um, and follow up on our social media. And we'll see you very soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.